Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Welcome to another faculty show. Yours truly. Yes, I'm in the building. And we're ready to give you a new show, a new week, a new guest, a new experience. Welcome, welcome, welcome to every single person, wherever you're joining us. Hello. How are you? Good day. Oh my God, I'm a bit flustered. I don't know why, but um, I'm gonna get this. We're gonna do this. A uh, bit of a, a few minutes kind of a, a start, a few minutes kind of a lead start, but it's okay, because we ready. We ready to do this. And I have an exciting guest for you today. Another show, another day. It might be my final for the year, my final show for faculty for the year but not the final time you'll see me. So happy to be here again, guys. Um, it's been a bit of a roller coaster ride the last couple of weeks, just trying to get things organized at schoolwork. Um, you know, it's the last quarter of the year, so it's busy, be it advertising, marketing, so just trying to like get my, my stuff organized and and make sure that everything is planned and, and ready and, and ready to go. But I'm happy that you guys can join me here again for another week of faculty. And as I promise you, every single week, we bring guests um, with interesting stories. We feature guests from different parts of, especially the Caribbean. Um, lately, I've been featuring a lot of folks from, from my home country, Dominica. And, uh, you know, we have so many amazing people in Dominica. And I just, I wish I could let you guys know every single person. Yes, seriously, I wish I could. But, you know, I try and keep it nice and balanced. You know, now, when I, now I'll probably introduce somebody who's been in the, who's in the arts, creative arts, and probably bring you someone who is in um, academia. You know, it'll be different, different folks coming on. And um, I'm so glad that, you know, a lot of you have decided that you you want to listen to the show. You take your time and you pay attention every single week or every single time I come on. Um, I want to big up, you know, Digicel, Digicel Caribbean, Digicel Dominica, um, the team at Digicel in St. Lucia, the team at Digicel in Dominica. Um, thank you so very much for your support. Thank you so very much for... Um, your continued, continued appreciation of local content and for allowing me a platform whereby I could, you know, um, reach the entire world, so to speak, because Digicel is available in 30 countries across the world. And this show is seen every single time that it airs in 30 countries around the world. So I want to big up to Digicel and thank you so very much for, um, for the love and for the support. I also wanna uh, big up Easy Barrels. Easy Barrels, for those of you who don't know, is located in um, New York City. So those of you who are in New York, locked in, let me know if you're in New York, if you're locked in from New York, um, just letting you know that you can um, ship your barrels, not just to Dominica, but to most of the Caribbean islands with Easy Barrels, okay? So make sure you check out Easy Barrels. Uh, they're located in, Jam um, in Jamaica, New York. Uh, telephone number 718-693-7447. So check out Easy Barrels today, um, especially if you're gonna be shipping before Christmas. You wanna make sure that that barrel gets home 
before Christmas. So I want to big them up, big up, you know, the two of the sponsors on here um, this afternoon. Um, hi, Fatima. Oh my God. Fatima, it's been a while. It's so nice to have you on here with me on Kako Tea. Thank you very much for joining me. Don't forget to share the link. So once you get on, go ahead and share the link. Oh, you like my glasses? Thank you. Thank you. I have a few of them. Yeah, I become a bit of a, a glasses hoarder. Thank you, Dee. Thank you very much, guys. Thank you very much for coming on and um, giving me your love and giving me your support. I really appreciate you, okay? Guys, let me know where you're locked in. I really want to know who's on and where you're from. I see Dee. I see, um, um, is that Mervyn is on. Um, Dave is on. Uh, send me a comment. Drop a note in the bottom. Um, don't forget, again, to share, 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 share the link. Um, and let somebody else know if you know a friend you know i'm gonna be having someone a very interesting guest on with me in just a few seconds she's actually standing by her bright red lipstick waiting for you <laughs> she's ready for y'all she's coming in um, in just a little bit um <laughs> uh yes um what is that kenny kenny sal georgia is that what is that what it is georgia thank you very much for tuning in uh, thank you guys. Oh my God. I appreciate you all, every single one of you, uh, for coming on. Um, I mean, Saturday evenings, late afternoons, people want to probably want to be out and about and you choose to be here so you could be anywhere else in the world, but you're here with me. And I really, really appreciate you for, for joining us here this afternoon. Okay. I'm going to be introducing my guests in just a few seconds, but you know, I always like to give a little background as to, um, as to how I know my guests, um, how we met, if we've met, you know, um, if it's just like a random person that's on my podcast, you know, I like to give a little background. And um, I met uh, uh, Sophia, uh, Sophia, like we Dominicans would probably say, um, quite a few years ago, like it must have been in the early 2000s when I met her. Um, at the time, she was married to someone that I knew. And um, she was always this quiet, reserved person. You know, I didn't really get to talk to her really much or even connect with her because at that time I was young, I was flighty, you know, doing my thing, you know, um, between Dominica and Canada. I actually met her in Canada. And I remember a couple of times connecting, you know, with her and her family, you know, during um, Caravana. And that was probably most of the time when I would actually see her or, or run into her. And then years later, you know, you 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 leave. I I left. I I I went back to Dominica. You know, when my mom my mom got sick, my mom passed away, and whatever. And I am at uh, the Glam at the time in Portsmouth, and she, this per she walks in, and I'm like, "What are you doing here? You know, like what?" Are you like she's like i'm getting married i was like oh, you're getting married and she's like no rewind rewind i'm gonna rewind that that i have that information i i put the card before the horse i actually she came down to dominic i think she was doing a program with i can't remember exactly what organization but she was on radio on q95 and at the time i worked with I just like that just dawned on me and she was on talking about her study and what she's been doing and and 
and trying to, um, I, I can't remember exactly the details. We're gonna, I'm going to ask her about that because it just actually like popped into my head. You know, when you, you have like a re revelation, you're like, oh shit, I, I remember that moment. Yes, I'm going to actually ask her about that, what she was doing in Dominica at that time. But she came on radio and I remember, you know, saying hi to her and whatever. And then years later, she walks in to Graham and she's getting married. And I remember we had like a really, really nice conversation. And um, it's so good to, to reconnect with people. And a lot of times you, you have a misconception about who somebody is just because you, you're on the outside looking in and you don't really get an opportunity to get to know who that person is. And as much as I don't feel like I've known her well enough or I know her well enough, but that moment when I met her, when we connected again at the club, we spoke for a little while and, you know, she, she kind of like fast-tracked her life, what was good, what had gone on, you know, the, the, the past seven years or so. And it just, you know, like, I think, I think, and I don't know, she, she could, I could be wrong. I feel we had a different appreciation for each other in that moment. And, and then she, she, um, she visited home and then she joined my kind of a band, you know, she and her, her lovely sisters who like, oh my God, like, like when I tell you, like, if you want to party, where you see she played for the reserve. Anywho, my guest is here and <laughs> Um, she's in the lobby and she's dying right now. She's laughing so hard. I'm going to get her to compose herself before I bring her on. But she has been, I mean, as long as I've known her, she has been in research, specifically research as it relates to biomedical research and women's cancer. And it is my absolute honor. And I hope, ladies, if you're on today, not just ladies, men, if you're on as well today, and you probably want to, you've been irking to ask a question where it relates to, you know, um, be it um, uh, cancer, ovarian cancer. We're going to be talking today. And um, we'll, we'll talk for a little bit about her life. But I really want uh, to get into her research a little bit on what she's been doing. You know, uh, she now lives in Miami. And I just want to welcome the the talented, the beautiful, the the educated, man, she's, she got brains. Um, I just want to welcome Sophia George. <laughs> Hello. Hi. What, a, what an introduction. <laughs> okay, let's just make sure. Let me make sure that I can get you on this. Let's just... I am not seeing you here, so let's let's just do this again. Let's just do this again. Back to the broadcast. Hi. All right, I'm seeing you in my lobby, but I'm not seeing you here. So I'm on. It says I'm in the show, but I can't see you, guys. Can you see Sophia? Can you see her? Because I'm seeing her still in my lobby. Let me know if you've seen her. Some shit always happens when you're having a good time. <laughs> Let me know if you can see her because I'm not seeing her on my screen, but I'm seeing her still in the lobby. Uh, I just send me a note. Let me know I'm seeing Sophia and we're good to go. I just want to make sure that she's in the program and you can see her clearly. Um, hello, people. My people are on. Hello. Send me a message. You're not seeing her. Okay. So they're not seeing. Let me just, um, let me just. 
get you off there. Okay, guys, give me a second. Eh? I'm gonna exit this. Some shit always happens, you know how it is in show business. All right. Okay, let's see. Let's try this again. okay guys we're gonna get this working we're gonna get this organized because we gotta get her on just give me two seconds all right all right here i am and she should be no no some shit just, just doesn't see i tell you some shit always happens when you see you have fun some shit always happens Let's just do this again. Okay, guys. I you seen her? You seen her, guys? You seen her? You seen me? You seen me? Let me know, guys. It knocks her and it it doesn't want me on with her. It gets us on that. Here we go. Here we go. Here you see me now? I see you. Okay. Shopiness. Nonsense. <laughs> It's okay. We're gonna have a great show just because of that. <laughs> it's even better just because of that. Sophia, it's so good to have you on. Thanks, guys. Thank you so very much, Valerie and D, and you know the rest of you who've been like riding a dive with me right about now and, and making sure that we connected and we get Sophie on. Yes, we're ready to go. Yeah, the people screaming your name. Yes, let's just let, let, let's just big them up because they were waiting patiently. So D's here. So D Davis is here saying. <laughs> Hi. Hi. <laughs> yes, yes. And and Valerie is here. Hi, Valerie. Thank you guys. And we have um okay, that person's name is backwards. Is that, <laughs> has, is that Joseph? Sarah Joseph? I don't know. Something. <laughs> Rasa. So you know people always do that on Facebook. So cool that they do that. Right? Okay. So good. Welcome. Welcome, Sophie. Oh my goodness, that introduction though. <laughs> Why were you laughing when I was introducing you? Oh, you were calling me out and then my sisters and the partying, you know. Y'all not have a good time. Listen, y'all remind me of my sisters, okay? Because it's, it's, it's like a, a crew and yeah, y'all just know how to have a good time and, and you definitely had a good time in Dominica oh, in 2019, right? I'll see you next year. Same time, same place. No, I'm just playing with you. Oh my God, it's good to have you here. Thank you so very much for taking time. I know you are such a busy person and I really appreciate you taking time out of your schedule to join us on faculty. So thank, thank you very much. Me. Thank you for inviting me. Oh my God. So you have your mug now? Yeah, I have my mug, yes. What you drinking? <laughs> Because I know you're not, I know he's not that good tea. Um, I have some wine. <laughs> She's like, I'm not even gonna lie, I'm gonna keep it 100. I, and I don't know why you feel like you need to have wine right now. <laughs> We're gonna be you know, all the dirt. <laughs> Thank you so very much for being here with me. Um, really appreciate you know you coming out. Um, I, I always, you know, start off the show, um, you know, of course, introducing how I know my guests and, and getting my guests to introduce themselves to 
the rest of the listeners, you know, the, the viewers um, who are on. I, I think it's always important that people can, that people identify the people on the show based on how the people on the show do like to be identified, right? And I always start off my show asking, who are you? Yeah, so I am I'm a mom. So my name is Sophia, obviously everybody knows that. Um, but I'm a mom, um, I'm a sister and a daughter and a wife, and um, I'm an educator and a researcher, I think, and a family member. Like I have a big family, so that's part of my identity. Yeah. She's like, that's it. She's like, I'm from all of these things. How do you, how do you manage to be all of these things and keep a balance? Um, I compartmentalize a lot. So um, I know that my family is very, very important to me. Um, and I also am very passionate about my work. And so in order for me to um, try to do a good job at, at either, I have to, when I'm home, um, especially dinner time, breakfast time, it's all about whomever I'm speaking to and whatever I'm doing. It's, I try to do 100% focus um, and be present and then so that I, I can be with my family when I'm with my family. And like when I was in Dominica with my sisters and my husband and my son weren't there. So we were just like 150%. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Now you, you're not, you don't live in Dominica right now. You live elsewhere. Yeah. Where were you raised? Um, tell us a little bit about Yeah. So um, I was raised in Dominica. I left home at 19-ish, about 19. So I spent all of my formative, well, my um, formative years in Dominica. I'm from Goodwill and Wallhouse. Um, I went to Convent Prep and Convent High School. And then I went to the Clifton Divinity Community College. I taught high, um, Convent High School for a year. And then I went to school in Canada. So I, yeah, I, I my teenage years and my grade school years were all at home. Um, a great and wonderful experience. Um, so blessed and fortunate to have had that experience and to be around um, a great group of friends and in particular my family. Because again, I have a large family. So, why do you, why do you think it's so important, or why do you appreciate being raised? So right now, a lot of the things that I learned at home um, informs uh, my my life currently. Um, the way that I raise my son, um, the way that I interact with my spouse and also my peers. Um, so our culture, our very rich culture, which everybody who knows me, um, who is not from Dominica knows that I'm from Dominica. And um, I get to be able to explain to them um, the richness of our culture, our values, our educational structure. Um, and then I get to come home often and go home often so I can kind of bathe myself in that goodness of Dominica and what it means. So, yeah. And I know, of course, because, as I said, I have a big family, it also centers me. Um, I have, I had 11 uncles and aunts on my father's side and seven plus four, so 11 on my mother's side um, and cousins. And so that, um, those interactions, even today, kind of helps guide guide me. T tell me a little bit about your childhood in Dominica. Um, hmm. 
So my mother, my mother was very strict, and my grandmother too. Um, on my mother's side, I, I, I stayed. I spent a lot of time with my maternal family as a kid. Um, but I also had so strict education was very important. But I also had a lot of freedom to explore. And um, there are things that I remember and I tell my son about when we were in Goodwill and Solomon in Prince Lane and Solomon Lane. Mm -hmm. I would always in the summer. I couldn't. I had a bicycle and I couldn't ride it on the street. <laughs> away from the house, I would be. I was like a tomboy at one point, and I um, I remember doing summer school and learning crafts, and then doing some of the summer school programs that the Ministry of Education did, and learning to do to cook and and sew and all those things, and then going to the beach and yeah. So I had a and then in and also going to the country. I'm spending a lot of my time in Maplin and Colliho and um, jumping off cliffs. I, I used to think that if my mother, if now she maybe knows, but if she knew the things that I was doing, <laughs> <laughs> you yeah. Had yeah, yeah, I would be in a lot of trouble. But yeah, but I also had a lot of freedom. Like carnival was a big culture was a big part of my home. Mm -hmm. So carnival time um, since I was in, I think crash. I would be in carnival bands like all throughout my entire time in Dominico until I left. Um, cultural gala was a big thing. My father used to play or used to have his friends playing um, the Jinping and the Tambu and all those things at my house. Like it was always very active. I got to travel with my dad um, when he would have meetings in the country. Um, he was part of the cooperative. So I would yeah. tag along and I, so I got to see a lot of Dominica and um, and that was really, I think, imp well now, um, important because I, I feel like it's really, it is home. It is home. What did you want to become when you were little girl? So I always used to ask a lot of questions. And I remember, so you know, at home in high school, you have to kind of choose a path. So in they forced you to choose a path. Right, they forced you to choose a path. So I wanted to do, I wanted to be um, an economist. And I think, Geo ge geography or something but i wanted to do geography and i wanted to do chemistry um and i think the businesses or something and my mother said no i will do them the sciences so i i could only do <laughs> so i would no. yeah i didn't i need chemistry biology and physics which is like um and so but i always liked sciences i always enjoyed being creative in that context, um, asking questions. And I also like studying. So that was a good route for me. <laughs> that was a good route for me. And I started studying. When did you actually decide that you wanted to probably go into medicine? Um, well, I had, when we were done with college, I applied to go to UWE, um, St. Augustine and Trinidad to do medicine, because that's that's also the path that kind of is laid out for you once you finish. Um, but that wasn't something that I really wanted to do. I wanted to go to school in Canada. So um, because my mom had gone to school in Canada, um, done a lot of her education in Canada and I had visited as a kid and I just, I liked Canada. And so I applied to go to school there, me and a group of friends and we got in. And I also at the time had applied to go to school and to, uh, sorry, so I applied for a scholarship, a French, uh, um, and I got that and so that kind of so when I got the scholarship I just I just that was like the 
the turning point of what type of medicine. So I do, I'm a research scientist, I have a PhD, not an MD. Mm-hmm. And that kind of drove my path to where I am today. So in undergrad, so I went to university in Sudbury, Laurentian University, um, Northern Ontario, way up north in the cold. In the morning. What an experience. Um, that. Oh my God. Tell them about that. It was, I used, so initially I remember thinking that I had done something very bad and that I was being punished. <laughs> I remember thinking that I was being punished because it was cold and there were maybe 20 black people. Um, most, I was the only recent um, Caribbean born person there. There was one girl who was my friend um, from Jamaica, but she was she had gone to come to Canada when she was a kid. Yeah. Everybody else were um, Africans or from Mauritius. And by the way, I have I have great friends um, because of that experience. Still friends today. And so I was I just felt isolated. And plus, I was studying in French. Um, wow. Like I did my courses in biology in French and. It was just intense and I did not like it. And so I studied a lot. Because you just, um, let's get this over with. Yeah, I did it in three years. I, I studied during the summer months. And then I also I also participated, I, I graduated um, with, an honors, with, with honors. And I, um, because I always was interested in science, I did a research project in my second year um, in HIV and uh, looking at blood cells. And so, um, yeah, that kind of allowed me to get lost and away from all the crazy isolation, isolating feeling of being in Northern Ontario um, in a small, at the time was a small town. Now it's like greater Sudbury region. So they've made it a little bit, you know, bigger. But yeah, but still, nowhere, four hours, three hours if you drive really fast north. Yes. Snow in, in April and minus 40 degrees Celsius weather. It, it was tough, and I, but I learned a lot. And um, I, I became very resilient as a result. So I, I began um, becoming, um, developing those skill sets and learning how to adapt. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and yeah, and being on your own, like at 19, Northern Ontario, it was, yeah. How did you I feel you for my son too. I want him to not go that far away, but I want I, that 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 brings a, a level of independence and um, having to figure things out. Yeah, well, I was about to ask you, like, uh, like how did you feel being away from your family because you're so close? Yeah, it was. <laughs> so let me just say, at the time that I did leave, <laughs> I was, yeah, um, you know, I was in my rebellious stage. <laughs> you <laughs> I'm not telling you about the rebellious thing. (laughs) Let's just say when I left, my mother was happy that I had left. Oh my gosh. (laughs) That's why you felt like you were being punished. You have no idea what's on the other side waiting for you. Go. (laughs) Yeah, boy. Anyway, (laughs) I, I did a lot of partying and. Yeah. Anyways, it was uh, a lot of. I had good. I had a good time. My cousin and I had a good time in Antigua. We went. We went out. <laughs> I once spent my gap year in Antigua, 
Um, and then, but you know, there were other things that happened and I went back home. Um, but we had a good time. <laughs> I'll let y'all know, I, we had a good time. Okay, you graduate, so you graduate in three years, then what happens next? Yeah, so because I did my, so actually when I was in my third year, my profs all assumed, everybody all assumed that I was going to go to medical school. And I was like, no, I want to go do like research. I want to do, um, I want to go work, like do research in a lab. And at the time I wanted to do, um, research on microbes and viruses and bacteria like i was obsessed with viruses and bacteria and so but i so i applied to different universities still in canada um, mm -hmm. and also in the us but i got in um to a few universities and in particular university of toronto gave me a nice offer and so i moved to toronto um to do my phd and um I did not do my PhD in viruses and, my, and microbiology. I did my PhD in actually molecular genetics, studying embryonic stem cells and, and making um, mouse, mice um, models to study genes. And I did that for a long, long time. Um, and then when I was done with that, I was like, I am done with research. I just want to like get a regular job because it was long and hard and also lots of experience. And then I had a baby at that point. So I had my son. Wait. <laughs> I'm jumping things. You, you, you moving, uh -huh. you moving at a high speed. Okay. So you're, you're at UFT. Yeah. How, how many years did you spend? Oh my god! I did my after. I actually done sort of six years, eight months. Long time. Wow. My, yes, it was long, and uh, it was. I I I I was very productive. I made a lot of mouse models and <laughs> use them today, and the technology, which is great for them. But I I will say, like, if I was in Europe, I would have had two PhDs by then. Um. But I was in a department that expected a certain level of quality in order for you to graduate. And so that's what happened. Like, and, and again, a very formative experience. Um, that is where I learned to be like innovative and to reach out and um, not get stuck. And, and uh, my PhD supervisor, he was a, he, he was a Hungarian, um, very brilliant scientist that had these ideas and I would always be baffled by his mind. And so, but also he was very open and sharing. And so um, that's how I try to conduct, although I have to be careful, conduct my work today. But it also, because I was, so we had this big lab. I was his first PhD student, even if he had his lab for a long time. Um, and oh, I you know you were special. You know you were special. I, yeah, but special crazy to like, <laughs> that because it was tough it was hard because there were lots of postdoctoral fellows and and very senior very well seasoned uh, like men and um were there women postdocs at the time i don't remember maybe and so i was this little person from dominica just did a, a three-year undergrad in front in a, a different language and so i remember thinking like my brain had to switch languages um I was intense. It was, and I remember he told me like, I, like one time I was in tears in his office and he's like, I have my PhD. You have to decide if you want yours, you know? And I was like, yes, I want mine. Like, what do you mean? Like, <laughs> I'm not giving up, damn it. Um, it was hard, <laughs> but, 
but it made me um again just figure figure stuff out <laughs> like okay. all things so you're in you're in university you're doing your phd was that around the time you got married because you you mentioned a baby um so yes well mm, i got married my, my i got married um when i you're like, do I need to take a drink? No, take a drink, take a drink, take a drink. You can take a drink. No, I think now is the time. I'll make you compose yourself. I have a feeling like it's about to get like real saucy in here. Saucy at all. Okay, so make sure you share the link, guys. Uh, we're on. Really? <laughs> we're having a good time. She just had a drink of caco tea wine, <laughs> and we're getting into you know um how she got to where she is today. Amazing woman, and I'm so grateful to that you could join us today. Um, Sari is on. She wants. She's saying, "Great to hear." Your story, Sophia. So she's locked in, um, enjoying everything. everything. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, married. So yeah, we eloped. You are rebel. Yeah. Anyways. <laughs> okay, and then yeah. I have to, like I I don't I don't have to go through the process of the whole story. No, you don't have to go through the process. Right. So so we eloped. Um. Yeah. What was going through your mind at that time? Oh, a lot that <laughs> that I should not be doing this. Um, <laughs> but anyways, I did it. Always listen to your instincts, ladies and gentlemen. Um, I, I remember thinking that was not a good idea, but I did it. And I remember actually a friend of mine was at the wedding. There was only like one person that I knew from undergrad and then a lady who was at the, the church. Mm -hmm. um, and I remember afterwards saying to him, like, why didn't you stop me? And he's like, how am I supposed to know you're supposed to Okay, so you elope. Yeah. Soon after, you no. have a baby. Many, no, no, no. Many years later. Okay. So so we get in. We yeah. Uh, so I elope um, before I started my PhD. Okay. So I, when I graduated... Okay. And then um, I had my son seven years later, essentially. Is that what really kept you in Toronto? Or you had it already decided on, I'm going to do that PhD. I'm going to stick no. around. Oh, my God. Um, everything? All of the above? Okay. <laughs> so we get it. We get in somewhere. All right. So you decide you completed your PhD six years, eight months. And what happens next? Yeah, so I took, I took um, a year off, essentially. Um, well, not a year. Well, yeah, about a year. I did um, some research in a different lab to finish up a project. And then I went, um, I did some consulting for a firm in Toronto on stem cells. They were trying to figure out the landscape of stem cell research in, in Ontario. So I did that. I remember I went, it was 2008. So I went home for independence and I had a grand old time with my family again. Um, <laughs> and then um, and then I, during that time, actually applied my, my friend, my very good friend and Chris, my son's godmother, she, she had done a PhD and she was doing medical school at the University of Ottawa. And she's like, Sophia, just 
just apply, you'll get in. Like, and I was like, I don't want to go to med school. But anyways, I applied to Ross, I got in and I didn't go. <laughs> that was not like going to medical school was not in my, that, that wasn't the thing for me. So, but then I got a position in a lab to run a lab and um, to be a postdoctoral fellow in at Princess Margaret Cancer Center to yes. study um, genetics of ovarian cancer. Um, my mentor at the time was is a she's a gynecologic pathologist, so she's subspecialized in just looking at path, um, pathologies in um, in in gynecological like tissues, and so I did that for five years. Um, so I was at Princess Margaret, and I was an associate scientist by the time I left, and um, studying women's cancers. So, so, so why did you decide that you were going to stare? Or your your or your papa is going to take the, the 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 course of women's cancer in terms of the study of women's cancer. So honestly, it was a different thing from I wanted to do. Okay, so I missed a few things. I wanted to so I had done all this embryonic stem cell research, and um, while I was doing my PhD, I at the time already knew that I wanted to do something that would impact my community. And my community, I thought about Dominican and Caribbean. And um, so I, because of my interest, I had feelers out and there was someone who came and gave a talk at, at Mount Sinai Hospital, which is where I had done my PhD in the lab. Mm -hmm. And he talked about doing genomics in developing countries. And um, at the end of his presentation, I raised my hand and I said, well, why aren't you doing that in the Caribbean? Because the Caribbean region is a developing country. Like, you know, there are lots of developing countries there. Mm -hmm. He had presented work in Africa and in India and in China. And so literally I asked the question at the end of the, when everybody was leaving, he called me up and then he said to me that they're doing a workshop in Venezuela. Um, would you like to go? Um, so, and the workshop was hosted by PAHO and UN, um, UNESCO, is it UNESCO? UN Education and, and it was at the UN University in Caracas. Mm -hmm. and so so I, I remember running down the hallway screaming to my, and just like couldn't believe it that I, as a PhD student, was being invited to a workshop in Venezuela. Um, and so I went, okay? So then I had, so I, so when, at the time that I had done my PhD, I knew that I wanted to do something. And because cardiovascular diseases have affected my family personally, um, diabetes and heart disease at the time my father had passed away um, he had passed away in 2000 mm -hmm. and a lot of my other family members had you know non-obese diabetes so meaning diabetes but not you know not necessarily linked to um obesity yes so i i had thought about doing that and then i had gotten an opportunity to do a postdoc at harvard and when i interviewed with some of the people they were telling me how intense it was and at that point i had my son and i thought like i do not I, I do not want that. Like I was thinking, I wanted to do something that was going to allow me to do my research, whatever that is, to help impact my community. But at the same time, so I got this opportunity. Like really, it was just a, it was an opportunity to to apply my skill set to a new disease site, and it happened to be ovarian cancer. And while I was, and because of that trip, and I'm just going to go back a little bit. So because of that, it's and, your time. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's your time. Yeah, you know that visit in Venezuela. Yeah. The only other, so everybody um, who participated were chief medical officers, um, um, advisors to prime ministers and presidents of different. So I was the only student. I was the youngest person there. And the other person who was from an English-speaking country, the only other English-speaking country was the Bahamas. And he was the chief medical officer at the time. And he and I just, and he and I just struck this really wonderful friendship. And so anytime, every year at Christmas time, I'd send him an email wishing him Merry Christmas or any, you know, anything that would happen. And then when I graduated, I told him when I got my position doing research in ovarian cancer, and also my mentor um, was a director of a biobank. Mm -hmm. And biobanks are what it's called, what it sounds like. It's a bank where we collect um, material tissue from people when they have surgery or for other reasons where that we, we collect their material like blood, saliva, tissue. Mm -hmm. And so I had reached out to him and said, oh, by the way, I'm now I'm in this new position. and." Um, I'm also working with um, the with a, a person who runs a biobank, and we should do something like that in the Caribbean. So he invited me down to the Bahamas to give a lecture in 2009. I remember that. No, 2010. Um, and I, so I had just in 2009 I had started my position, and we we wanted to write a grant, or we we tried we started to write a, a project to do banking in Dominica and in Bahamas. Mm -hmm. uh, but we were disqualified because we were not the islands were not poor enough. It didn't meet the certain criteria. But while I was there, I the got, islands were poor enough. <laughs> you know, it's like all this arbitrary. It's getting dark, right? It's all this. Can you see me? Yeah, it's all this arbitrary um, world world and um, bank designations at the time that uh, unfortunately the Bahamas didn't. Um, qualify, and I knew at the time that we would not have been able to pull it off on our own if we had done it with Dominica. Okay. But so I, so I, did, so what I studied um, in Toronto was looking at hereditary ovarian cancer. So women who are at high risk for ha de uh, developing ovarian cancer, and usually that's linked to BRCA one and BRCA two. Wait, is he using them kind of terms? Stupid! <laughs> I don't know nothing about nothing. Yeah, I, I think like a lot of times. Like as 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 Caribbean people, um, we hear things and we don't understand what it is, and we just let it go. We just keep it moving. I, break it down. Break down every single thing because there are a lot of women locked in. Just want to big up the CEO of Digital Dominica, Mikima. Just came on. Big up to you. She's on. Um, Actually, uh, I met her once. Hi. She on. <laughs> she might. She might just remember. Mikima remembers everything. Trust me. Um, but a lot of times, as and, and I, I'm saying because I asking for myself, you know, I'm not gonna just ask for somebody else, and I wanna, I wanna be as stupid as I possibly can, because I feel the information that you're going to give today is important for a lot of women, and I, I think it's necessary that a lot of women hear that. So explain to us. You said some a B one or a B two or B something. What what exactly are those bees about? Okay, so I will say first I said hereditary ovarian cancer. So yes. I'll, I'll start that. Um, so what that means, hereditary, it means that um, in in families, there are families that have um, high rates of certain types of cancers, mm -hmm. and those families usually have 
so in particular this disease, um, breast and ovarian cancer. And so usually it's um, a mom, a daughter, or sisters, aunts, and yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so within that context, we say it's hereditary because it's within the family and it's passed on through like different generations, like each generation. And we and well, others really uh, a few years ago, but twenty five years ago now maybe, um, discovered that there are two genes that um, are mostly responsible for this disease. It's the BRCA one and BRCA two. BRCA, BRCA really means breast cancer gene one and breast cancer gene two. And um, if you have a mutation in this gene or one of the, like one of these genes and the mutation, so what these genes do, let me just start. So the genes are involved in maintaining, um, fixing DNA. When DNA is broken, so that can happen for lots of reasons, cells divide all the time. When DNA is broken, there is this um, gene, which makes a protein that is responsible for repairing it. Um, and when those, that mutation, when there's a mutation, the gene, the protein cannot fix the, 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 the broken DNA well. And that in particular, that particular gene is responsible for giving a woman and a man increased risk for breast cancer, um, ovarian cancer, pancreatic cancer, colon cancer, uh, melanoma in some instances. What else am I missing? Yeah, yeah, wow. and maybe prostate cancer. Okay, so so okay. <laughs> yeah, all right. Because you always hear people get, oh, they have ovarian cancer, or oh, she have um, my mom died from pancreatic cancer. You know, but you never really know. Like, how does that happen? You know, how how did all of a sudden somebody who's healthy just... Right. So, so well, um, actually, what we think, and, has, and, and others have shown, that we're all walking around with mutated genes. And it's not just one mutation. It's a cu- accumulation of multiple mutations that will lead to, because our cells are very, talking about the word resilient, our cells are very robust. We have lots of mechanisms, lots of processes to stop, um, th- lots of stops. So that if something goes awry, something is messed up, if there's too many mutations, too much sugar, too much fat, too much drinking. There are lots of ways that the cells have um, in them, wired in them to stop from growing and die. But when some of some genes like BRCA1 and some others are mutated, the, the signal to stop is affected. And then when, because of our normal living, we are exposed to many um, carcinogens. The carcinogens are mo- molecules of, or, ex- or exposures that can cause cancer. So like UV radiation, flying, smoking, drinking. Mm-hmm. Um, fat because it produces a lot of inflammation. Mm-hmm. So um, when a cell has a mutation and then it keeps being exposed to other things like that, over time can lead to cancer because the stop signal gets override, overridden. And okay. so the cells don't stop and they keep growing. 
Um, and unfortunately, diseases like pancreatic cancer and ovarian cancer, they're deadly, they're silent, they're called silent killers, is because it's only when the tumor has reached a, you know, a large size and started affect, starts affecting other organs that we start feeling the pain. And at that point, it's, you know, advanced stage. And it's hard to cure. But so, we like, wait, wait. <laughs> so before we even get into anything else, yeah. can a woman do, or a man, or to, to ensure that you kind of sort of detect these things earlier rather than later? Because so many people, like, every, I, it seems to be like a recurring thing, especially in the Caribbean, that you care about somebody, somebody gets cancer and six months later, boom, you're dead. You know, it's like, like, where is the, where is the grace period? You know, like, help us with a grace period. So a few things. Um, so first of all, we say to women and to families, be aware of your family history. Um, if you have a family, in particular breast and ovarian cancer, if you have a a strong family history, you should consult your clinician. Um, there are genetic tests available that are affordable now um, that you can learn of your known increased risk. So not we don't know everything. Mm -hmm. um, at the age of 40, for women, you should be doing your mammogram. I am aware that not everybody has access to a mammogram, especially if we're talking about in the context of developing countries. Um, do um How do you your modesty exam where we're, we're touching your breasts and every month um at the same time so that's like that's like this right like, yes exactly in a modesty, okay you don't know the modesty okay. yeah yeah um do that um and be aware like if you feel something say something don't just drink tea uh, we can drink um, tea now but Really, if if you feel something, if you feel unwell, I know we have a tendency to go take a sea bath, which is fine and can help, you know, distress, but it won't necessarily stop the pain. Yeah. Um, so go consult a doctor. And so one of the reasons that we have, I, we know we have a high mortality rate in the Caribbean due to lots of cancers, it's not necessarily that we don't have the grace period, but because a lot of people are being diagnosed at advanced stages and the um, access to, um, set up their care might be limited. Mm -hmm. And so for us in our region, it's to if to prevent and or diagnose early. So of course I'm talking about breast and ovarian cancer, but for cervical cancer screening, it's the PAP, the PAP test. And um, women uh, should do that, especially if they're sexually active, to know what their status is in terms of the HPV, which is a virus that we know causes cervical cancer. For uh -huh. men, how often should women do the pap smear? Because I've always, I've heard in the past, and I'm, mm -hmm. and I'm, and I'm, and I'm kind of speaking because I'm Canadian and I would yeah. know it works yeah. in Canada, yeah. right? Some of, I remember in the past you would have one every year, but now I know the health system has changed, whereby yeah. it's like every three years or something right. like. That. Exactly, it's every three years now. That's the the the. Um, especially if you are not HPV positive. So if you're HPV negative, it's every three years. If there's any, um, if when you do your pap, they find your HPV positive and it's HPV 
um, that is high risk, meaning that it's known to be associated with developing cancer, or that they see some irregularities on your pap smear, you will have to come in sooner than three years. Okay. One of the things for those who have access, they should get um, the HPV vaccine. Yeah. Right now, I'm about to ask you about that. <laughs> the age has been raised. Um, it was 25 before, and now it's 40 or 42. 42, I think. Anyways, it's higher now, so it has opened up the window for all of us to get access to that prevention. Now, going back to ovarian cancer, yeah. I think you mentioned um, um, cervical, you mentioned breast, the ovarian aspect of it. How do you detect or how would you know? Um, like, is it is it a feeling? Is it yeah, it's, it's, so it's lower back pain? Um, feeling that so okay. So let me a little bit of information. So, for ovarian cancer, it's one in about one in seventy women will develop ovarian cancer. It's very rare. It's, it's considered a rare disease compared to breast cancer, which is one in seven women in the United States. Okay, this is United States numbers. The average age at presentation is 60 years old, like in that range. Okay, so it's, it's postmenopausal. I want to say 63, but anyway, so that it's postmenopausal. Um, the majority of women who develop it is postmenopausal. If you are BRCA mutation carrier, if you have a mutation in one of those genes, you have a higher increase, um, higher risk of getting developing this cancer. For BRCA one, it's forty to sixty, and for BR by the age of seventy, and for BRCA two, it's between five and twenty-seven percent compared to people who do not. Okay. okay. So, so let's see. So symptoms. Um, again, it's lower back pain. Think of when you're having a menstrual cycle, when you had colic, cramps. Is it that? Yeah. Those are the kind of cramps that people describe. Um, it's rapid weight loss. It's um, as, as, apparently if the, the pain comes cyclically also, like every every month around the same time, um, swelling of the belly. Ooh. Don't expect, I mean, if you're not pregnant and you're postmenopausal or it's not just the average age is postmenopausal women, but of course, there are people who get this disease younger. Anytime. People get stuff at any time. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, um, again, it's being aware of your body and how you feel. Um, if you're having pain where you usually don't have pain for anything, anyway, you should go see a doctor. Um, the challenge is for ovarian cancer that what can happen is that the diagnosis timeline gets delayed because you go, you might see a, a GI doctor because you might think it's something to do with your bowels or your tummy. And by the time you see the gynecologist, the tumor is like growing and spreading. And then I should also say that if you're ever diagnosed with any type of disease cancer, you should see a specialist. So a gynecologic oncologist, these are people who are subspecialized and, and treat women with cancer, gynecological cancers. Um, yeah. Okay. I'm giving a lot of information. It's <laughs> yeah, good information. And I know I know quite a few people. Let me know, guys, if you what you what you're getting out of this. If you have any questions, now is the time to shoot your questions. It's a great opportunity. You have someone who researches. That's what she does, man. So she can actually give you some information. Um, um, where 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 it might be preventative methods, things that you you know you're interested in knowing about. Ask away. Um, there's this term that we hear a lot. Uh -huh. 
endometriosis. Oh my what God. What the hell is that? Yeah, so I was like, I know you kind of told hinted that that was might my, my come up. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't even study endometriosis. But <laughs> what endometriosis is, is growth of cells from the endometrium, from the uterus, outside of the uterus. And it, it cells usually go through the fallopian tubes out into the cavity. So I don't know. I mean, we don't necessarily think of our down there much, but we have the uterus, and then we have these horns. They're called the fallopian tubes. I spend a lot of my waking days and nights thinking about those fallopian tubes. <laughs> and, then, um, and then the ovaries. But there is a gap between the ovary and the fallopian tube, and then there's a space, and it's called the peritoneal cavity. So endometriosis is when cells from the endometrium go up through the fallopian tubes for lots of reasons um, and then sit in the peritoneal cavity. It can also sit in the fallopian tube. It can sit in the ovary. And that can cause a lot of pain because as in particular in, in premenopausal cycling women, we're supposed to be sloughing off all the dead material through our vaginal cavity, right? That's when we menstruate. So that doesn't happen when the cells are up in your peritoneal cavity. And then the cells just grow and they can cause a lot of pain and discomfort. Um, it can be linked to infertility. Um, again, not obesity, apparently lean people, low BMI, have um, high rates of um, um, endometriosis. Why, why is that? I don't know. Like, I mean, there's, so sadly, there's more we don't know than we do know. I actually did do some, you know, a little bit of background reading and there's no, no, like they're, they're not right now known links genetically with, with those um, factors. Hmm. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay. So that's what this whole. Um, yeah. So, so one of the things, though, that people should be aware of is that although it's rare, endometriosis is linked to some types of ovarian cancer. Like ovarian cancer, there are many, many kinds, but there's a kind that's also rare, um, but that's, it's linked to endometriotic cysts. So like all things, if you have endometriosis, you, you know it because you're seeing a clinician and stay abreast, be vigilant, not crazy, you know, but just be, be vigilant. What, uh, what are some of the concerns you specifically have as it relates to, um, breast cancer, um, cervical cancer among, wearing like, cancer among Caribbean women? What are some of your... Right. So, um, the, a lot of my work, so I study in my lab, I study how having a mutation in BRCA1 or BRCA2 changes the cells of the fallopian tubes mm -hmm. um, and how those changes, the subtle changes promote um, cancer. While I was doing that, this is the Bahamas story. So while I was in the Bahamas, given my talk, I was told that there was someone that there was work done in the Bahamas looking at the BRCA mutation in Bahamian women. So, the BRCA mutation is relatively rare in United, like in general. Five to seven percent of breast cancer patients in the U.S. will have a mutation. 
But if you have, if you're an Ashkenazi Jewish woman, 12% of that population will have the mutation. So there is a lot of that mutation floating around in that, in that community. So, but in the Bahamas, what my colleagues found and um, then was that about one in five women, so 20 to 24% had a mutation. So those people who developed breast cancer and ovarian cancer had um, 20 to 24% of them would have a mutation. So we know now that that's a highest rate of um, BRC mutations in the world. And when I was in the Bahamas, I said, well, who is the person that's doing this work? I got their information, I reached out to them and I asked them, why aren't you all doing this in other parts of the Caribbean? Because at the time, my cousin had told me about her friend who had, she was 34, had gotten diagnosed with breast cancer. Mm -hmm. um, because up until then, I wasn't thinking about breast cancer. I was only in my ovarian space and you know studying the genes. Mm -hmm. and, um, and so I got into the study, that's why I was in Dominica. Mm -hmm. I got into this study um, to study the, the, the rate of having a mutation in the Caribbean um, across seven countries, and that included Bahamas, Jamaica, Trinidad, Dominica, Cayman Islands, Haiti, and Barbados. <clears throat> and so 10 years later, wow. we know generally that the rates are high in the Caribbean. Um, that in the Bahamas, it's the highest. Barbados also has a high rate. We haven't published this yet. Dominica has um, a rate of about 78%, which is <clears throat> within the range of what we've seen in, in the United States. Um, Trinidad is about 14%, 12 to 14%. Jamaica has low rates, but also highest of a certain type of um, mutation. Like we looked at 30 genes, not just two genes. Um, Haiti has a similar rate to the United States and the Caymans has a low rate. Okay, so that takes us to now wondering, women who have who are black and who have the mutation um, also seem to be developing breast cancer and ovarian cancer at a younger age than African-American US born black. Ask. Yeah. Like, you know, I just, I learn and I absorb all what you've been saying. So I'm just like, okay, I'm, I'm about to ask you, like, based on all that you've just said, yeah. would that be changing what your study has shown that it's usually yeah. yeah. So it's been, so the obvious, so with research, things shift, right? So now we know this data and then we can, we analyze the data and we saw that women in the Caribbean still have a younger rate, um, younger age of breast cancer and ovarian cancer diagnosis and black women living in the United States. Um, and then I can tell about the stuff I'm doing in Africa later. But mm -hmm. so one of the things that we did um, two years ago and not in Dominica, but in Haiti was then ask, well, the, how does immigration? So we have Caribbean born people living in the Caribbean and then we have people who immigrate how does that, like how is the change of environment, change of, of lifestyle affect um, breast cancer presentations at what age? And then what is happening in the cells and the tissues of these women? And so we're looking at, so before we're doing genetics, looking at like the you know, mutations, and now we're looking at epigenetics, how shifts in where you live and your lifestyle shifts affects the genes 
and maybe will give us an indication of why people do poorly um, and also even without a mutation. So that's another thing that we found, right? So this is all in my mind, eh? Because I remember at one point uh, when I moved here uh, to, to Canada, I was like, boy, I get hair where I never had hair before. You know, it's like, and, I, and I'm like, is it something about where, I, because, yeah. so, I mean, just basic throwing, I mean, these things that you say stupidly, like you throw it yeah. out there, yeah. but what you say has, like what you're saying now is really valid. Like yeah. that happens, something must happen. I mean. Yeah. yeah, things happen, lots of things happen. So, so we're studying the short term effects of immigration. So that includes us, like not our children, but mm -hmm. like us, like when we were home and then we moved to the US and Canada, well, not, I'm not studying in Canada, but, but it's, it's, you know, similar environment, similar, ex, similar exposure, how that, that, how that, how does that affect um, the, the, the way that our cells respond to treatment, the way that our cells um, develop cancer, and also why we we have we have diff why there are differences between us and African Americans and um, people who are born and raised in the United States. So that's where my science is 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 going. Anything that you know of that you could tell us or yeah yeah. So we just published um, um this was still in 2019, I guess a few months ago that we looked at a cohort of immigrants um, who are in Miami from the Caribbean, um, about 500 women who were born in the Caribbean moved to the United States, and then US-born women who developed ovarian, um, breast cancer. And we found that Caribbean-born women, so that, okay, by the way, all black women do worse than white women um, in terms of overall survival. A lot of money is being spent to understand why that is. So beyond um, having access to care, <clears throat> there's still biologic factors and genetic factors that we know must be playing a role in worse outcomes with survival. So that's the thing is we call it health disparities. Why is there that disparities, um, those disparities? And so what we found was that women who live, who move from the Caribbean. So if you live in the Caribbean, you have a worse outcome. If you move to the, move to the US, you're, you get, you do better and you do, you do better than African-Americans, people who are born and raised here. Um, yeah. yeah. And, and so we have some theories we're applying for grants to do some Dig, dig, dig deeper. Um, we we saw that um, if it, and of course, as I said, all of these women who are black of African descent have a younger younger age at presentation of their breast cancer, so they develop breast cancer younger. And so that means, and uh, like it, so, they develop breast cancer younger. Um, the in, the people living in the Caribbean develop breast cancer younger than the immigrants who move to the United States. So what we know is that um, there is a protective, so we become westernized and we say we the, the black women begin developing um, white women's breast cancer, which is a hormone receptor positive, slower growing breast cancer, although you know still worse than white women, but the type of cancer changes. Um, but, wow. but Caribbean born women who move to the States, they do better than the women who are born here. And we think that might be a lot of things. <laughs> One of the things that we're floating around is socialization, um, that we have a maybe a, because we came um, 
as immigrants, we have maybe a, a different way of addressing stress. Um, and and I, I, mean, I use the word resilience like for four times now. Yes, that's your favorite. See, I'm Dominican. <laughs> you see my hat. Okay. Um, that we, so, and those, those factors coming to get their medication um, mindset, right? So coming, staying, adhering, using, and that's something that the, my fellows are looking at and residents. This, you know, this is completely blew my mind. I, I don't think you even understand because I had an episode a couple years ago, right? Mm -hmm. It wasn't cancer or anything, but I had to be given antibiotics. And my body was determined that my body will reject all antibiotics. But that wasn't the case before I left Dominica. Yeah. yeah. So my body will refuse all antibiotics oh, that yeah. you that you pump try to pump in. I was hospitalized because they thought that they could have given it to me um through the IV. It my body just does not want anything to do with antibiotics. However, anything that's plant-based, my body will take in. Like it, it accepts it. Like instantly, I will see the change, right? Okay. So you said all of this is so. It's explaining so much to me right now. Like I, I have never gotten it explained that way. I mean, that it was your whole conversation wasn't geared at me. Yeah. It was not a breast cancer situation. Mm -hmm. It's just a general, you know, observation that something is going on in our bodies and how we deal with with certain things you know being moving from a from an environment of 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 i guess resilience so to speak and moving into that we deal with stress differently you yeah. know with so much stuff differently we have some questions i want to get the questions of the folks coming coming um coming on the on the chat because I feel like it's a very important we have a man um here um Jim Nelson is saying very informative can HPV virus cause cancer development in men? For sure, yes. So penile cancer, um, cancer of the anus, the penis, um, throat cancer, uh, well, throat cancer can be caused like both men and women. Mm -hmm. uh, but yes, yeah. So the but, HPV virus yeah. affect both men. Yeah. Well, women, women too can get anal cancer, um, vulva, cancer of the vagina, cancer of the and vulva cancer of the throat. Yeah. Wow. We have another question. In your research of the Caribbean women born in the U.S. and those who migrated to the U.S., did you factor in in the age of migration? Did uh, that impact your research? Yeah, so that's a great question. So we did. Um, granted, so we looked at between 5 and 47 years. In the work that we're doing of the Haitian population, um, we actually uh, applying for funding. So we got money from the um, state of Florida, well, through the state of Florida, through um, Florida Academic Cancer Center Alliances to do this preliminary work. So we have the data, we're analyzing it, and we've been in it by 10 years. By 10 years. Um, and then we're asking, we're going to be submitting a grant for lots of money to do a bigger cohort of women so that we can have, um, we're well powered to answer that question. Um, and not just of Haitians, but of Jamaicans. And um, one of the things that we have not yet published, but we just presented this in San Francisco um, a month ago, 
is that for, so not all islands are not equal. So when we separated out the islands, um, we had enough people from Jamaica, Dominican Republic, Haiti, Bahamas, Cuba, to, to look at each um, island separately. And what we found was that the Bahamians do worse, right? So in a group, you're, you're better. But if you separate them out, the Bahamians do worse. And we, we think it's due to the um, PRCA and just aggressive disease. Having this mutation is really an early onset cancer, very aggressive for breast, for all the cancers. Um, so, but the people from Dominican Republic, the women from Dominican Republic, and these are all black women, phenotypically black. So people who self-identified as black, okay? So not, if you were passing whites, you were not part of the study because, <laughs> no, seriously. Um, that's that's part of the work that we do too. We're looking at the genetics. Um, so, But we also look at what people self-identify as. Mm -hmm. So Jamaicans and people from the DR, where we had enough numbers to be able to separate them out, did significantly better. Um, but the Haitians did just as bad as the um, African-Americans and the Cubans did better too. So we know that also in different islands, we have different mixes of people and that those mixes might be impacted. I was about to ask you that because based on what you said, I was about to ask. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, for th that's part of the uh, um, work that we are developing and moving forward, looking at ancestry. So I know lots of people are doing their ancestry and me, one of them, um, and, and 23 and me, no, 23 and me ancestry. Um, mm -hmm. We do that also, and we're trying to now link to regions where we have differences in gene expression or epigenetic and genetic differences to see if this is African or if it's European, if it's Asian, is it Indian, native in well, Carib native Indian um, versus um, East Southeast Asian Indian, like India from East India. Yeah. Wow. I have another question from me. Mema has another question. Um, are black women more prone to ovarian cancer? Is the HRCA1 or the HRCA2 gene more heritable? So um, black women actually have a lower incidence and risk for ovarian cancer. However, when black women develop um, ovarian cancer, we have higher mortality rates. And this is a project that I'm currently working on with a consortium that we um, built in Nigeria. To, to do that because we went, we literally went to the motherland to see what's going on there. And we don't know why yet. A lot of people are studying this um, in different ways um, because I'm a molecular geneticist. I'm looking at the DNA and where people come from. Mm -hmm. But we know that there is, um, black women have, um, if you use talc powder, you may be good of it, um, baby powder, that there's a study that came out um, with a consortium at Duke, and in Utah and Virginia University, I might be some Joel and Shokrat. Um, they they found that talc use in black women specifically increased their risk to develop ovarian cancer. Um, yeah, we're hearing that. What else? Yeah, like there's a lot of um, epidemiological data. Data or something to floating around about douches. Yes, 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 right. Um, actually, that's some of the book is from Miami. My one of my mentors, um, she studies um, cervical cancer, 
in particular in Haitian women. And one of the things I think is that the types of douches that we use um, may, which makes sense, may increase or um, slough away the protective layer of our cervix um, when we use it. So when we expose to the HPV virus, that would increase our in, our the infectability, right? So you, 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 you because the douche has chemicals and mm -hmm. stuff. That's going to we want it clean, but not to the point where it's removing your protection away. No, I'm glad you brought that up because my mom was a nurse and my mom had this thing about vinegar and using vinegar as a douche, like right after your period instead of an actual douche. Like, like, what do you, what do you take? I don't, I, don't, I don't put anything down there. She just, just leave it. Soap and water. Not even soap. No, I mean, of course, soap. Oh, <laughs> 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 so, for sure. But soap and water, um, yeah, because, you you know, just like all things, if you're stripping away, you know, so our body is very complex and it's it was created either by divine creation or um, evolution, but with a lot of protective properties. And when we strip things away, it's, um, and then you strip things away and then you go have sex, and let's say this person has HPV or some other STD, you're like, you know, just killed all the, just broke down the barriers. So yeah. for me, I don't, I don't, I, 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 you know, I obviously, the more you learn, you, you implement. Um, in your life as well. Yeah, so it's what I, I used to do, and I used to use, we grew up using baby powder, you know. Yes, so, even Dominica, when I go home, I see everybody, their, their chest, Powder up, I said, but people still do this. Yeah, so I, I don't powder down your crotch, yeah. and you you teach your chest and powder just fly up in the air because you exactly. It was like a sign of freshness, you know, like it's <laughs> yeah. I want to answer the question about BRCA one, BRCA two. Yes, yes. both increase your risk significantly to breast, ovarian, and um, um, and and other cancers, but. BRCA1 in particular is known to, in, to um, increase your risk significantly more than BRCA2. But it doesn't mean that if you have BRCA1, if you are BRCA1 mutation carrier, that you should be like, oh, I'm okay. You should definitely be, being, you should be screened for breast. And also there is a way to protect and prevent yourself from developing ovarian cancer. Here we remove the fallopian tubes and the ovaries. Um, in you know the this this now the recommendation is at the age of 35 um to remove your fallopian tubes and ovaries if you um have a mutation in brca1 and a little bit later 40 ish if you have a mutation in brca2 and it's so that to prevent it there's no other way there's no screening there's no screening for ovarian cancer it is a deadly disease it is aggressive you know five year overall survival rate is about 65 percent so it's you know it's 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 a nasty disease um and so one of the ways to prevent it is to remove the organs and tissues that it can it can start from wow that is a lot of information oh my yeah. god you mentioned a few projects that you are working with um that you're planning to work on anything in the caribbean coming up soon any i mean i i found that a lot of 
I, I, there are a lot of people that would be interested in these studies and knowing what's going on, you know, in terms of, because I hear too many women getting breast cancer and too many women getting, um, you know, even like cervical cancer. Like, and I'm like, are they hearing? Like, don't they know that they have this stuff they could do? Anything happening in the Caribbean or anything? So, one of the things, I'm part of a consortium, well, two. One, um, it's called the African Caribbean Cancer Consortium. It is um, the, the principal investigator, the person who created this consortium 12 years ago and leads it is um, a colleague and um, mentor and peer at Fox Chase Cancer Center in Philadelphia. She's Jamaican, but I'm one of the leaders for the Women's Cancer Working Group. And we have about 150 members across um, the United States, the Caribbean, and Africa. So we have members, and we just had a meeting in Jamaica in October, our biannual meeting. And when we meet our members who are clinicians, um, psychologists, behavioral psychologists, statisticians across the islands, um, <clears throat> we have one member in Dominica who is not currently in Dominica, but what we do is disseminate information um, we, we engage with the public when we have these meetings or, and also when I travel to different islands um, because so we keep engaging our clinician colleagues um, and our public health colleagues because that is a way to um, provide information to them that they can then provide to their, to their patients and their communities. Um, so currently we have the project in, in, in Haiti and we are always working on projects. The limiting factor is money. So we have to apply for grants. Um, I have grants, but it's right. It's money, right? Money, money, money. <clears throat> but yeah, so we, we continuously engage. Um, I am talking to you and hopefully people will hear the things that I've said and will go and you know, get more information. And um, take bodies, you know? Mm -hmm. Take a take a body check, you know. Yeah, like, exactly. Exactly. Um, another question, just like you just hit me, um, tampons. Oh, you know what? What's your take on that? Because personally, I have never been a fan. <laughs> um, what's a bit of your research that you've done? No, no, no research on tampons beyond using it to do research, but <laughs> um. <laughs> Yeah, because we can get, so there's the colleagues and collaborators at Hopkins who have used tampons to collect tumor cells because we're trying to see if that's a way to detect early, right? Because the, the, the tumors are like shedding through the uterus. Yeah. Um, but for me, I, I use it when I need to, but I'm, I, you know, toxic shock syndrome, like, like all the things that, you know, like, you know, be proper hygiene, like for everything. Yeah. Proper hygiene everything don't leave that thing up there for eight hours no try to change it as often as possible um if you can take sleeping with it like people i know no, I don't like i i don't know honest to god i just find that first of all i have to like the times i've tried to use it i've had to like mentally like prepare myself then yeah. position myself and too much work because yeah. you can feel it like you're walking and you can feel it and you think is it going to come out um you know some i yeah like so there's um, a lab in in arkansas mm -hmm. that's um 
one of the projects I was there in earlier this year, and one of their projects is looking at the different material in in the tampon. So they're doing it in mice to see if the mice develop any type of like um, gynecological tract um, diseases. Wow. Because they are, you know, they're material, it's made of stuff. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, um, and, so, and so they're looking at that, but nothing, I mean, nothing that can come to mind. Nothing conclusive as yet. <laughs> I, that I, like, I cannot say that there's, like, if it were, we would all hear about it if they said, do not use them. We got a question from Natty here. Are we going to include other Caribbean islands in the screening? <laughs> yes, um, not St. Lucia though, unfortunately, but we just got a grant to go to the Dominican Republic mm -hmm. um, to do screening there. So I'll be doing that. Um, I'm, I'm you know, having conversations with folks in Grenada. Yeah, but not yet St. Lucia. Oh, somebody did ask about the tampons. Mima did ask. And Jessica's also asking, it's all about menstrual cups now. Yeah, more power to that. <laughs> that's, a bit, that's, a, <clears throat> that's all sort of my, my, my expertise, but um, good. I mean, great. If that's what you want to do, fine. No, I don't get all of these things. Yeah, I'm not there yet. I have, I have a friend who, who recently introduced me to the cough pads which our ancestors used and I'm like really considering like going that route <laughs> like, like seriously and um cleaning up is so easy like it's so much easier than you think it is <sighs> I'm seriously considering that because I've found that all of these pads have all of these fragrance in them like even when you smell like a, a, a clean pad like you could smell like perfume in it yeah, yeah, you know that thing is sitting on your vagina, and you know, it's going up. That those gases, whatever it emits, goes up. You know your cocoa, so to speak. You know your vagina. <laughs> I mean, there must be some stuff going on with that. And like, I have had friends who've actually gotten like blisters from different pads. And if those things can do simple things like that, I mean, only to say what other things. I'm getting the EGKGBs just thinking about it. You yeah. know. I mean, like, yeah, like, so there's, there's a, there's, a, there's a minimal risk to almost everything, including driving our car and walking down the street. So I am, if my mother were listening, she would laugh and think, because I am like a germaphobe somewhat. I mean, I eat raw fish all day, every day. So somehow like, I choose what I want to be <laughs> fussy about. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, like you, so you, and because we have so many products available, Right, technology has allowed us to have all these products available to use fragrant um, sanitary napkins or not. I don't. I, you know, I'm old-fashioned. I just, you know, I just, and using all the other things might not work for me when I'm traveling. And it, it's just no. <laughs> just <laughs> guys. Oh my God, um, Sophia, it was it was absolutely uh, wonderful. You know, having you here. I feel. We should do this like again. I know you're so super busy, but with your research, whenever you have new things come up, new things that you you've published, I would really want. To, I'm giving you like a, a, a an open invitation. You know, whenever you want to disseminate the information, whatever you want, you know, to get the information out there in terms of 
um, when when um, tests, you know, screenings are coming up, coming up, like you just mentioned, the one in the Dominican Republic, you know, for other islands, this program is seen throughout the Caribbean. So we want to ensure that women know what they need to do and how they need to um, preventative, whether it's whether it's cure, whether it's you know there are other options out there. What new studies have shown, mm-hmm. you have a you have a place here. So just reach out. I mean, we have each other on WhatsApp. Just reach out to me and say, "Hey, Jill, we just discovered this. When can I come?" And we can organize because I I feel like you are you're not at the stage where it's 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 happening. You're at the stage of preventing it from happening. You know, yeah. so it's like if we get it, then it's better to have the information then than yeah. when it's actually be, it's become a cause or something that we cannot we cannot control. And I really really appreciate you taking time out of your schedule to come on here and to speak with us. I think a lot of women um, have gotten a lot of information. You know, those who've asked really appreciate you guys asking and want to encourage them to share the link so other women can know. Not just women, men as well. Yeah. Because believe it or not. Men want to be informed, be it for right. their women, be it for themselves. Yeah. You know, they want to know. I really, really appreciate you coming back. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for having me. Thank you to um, Carvel for recommending that I do it. Sari mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Sari uh, says very informative. She hope eventually we can do a study in Dominica. Oh no, we did a study in Dominica. That was in two thousand and nine. Um, ten. Oh, Thirteen. So. So we did, we went home twice. Um, <clears throat> we had a workshop, we did a, um, it was hosted by Ross University and the Ministry of Health. At the time it was Dr. Christmas who was um, our liaison and works, we worked with him. Um, and we had a, a two day workshop where we invited, um, I mean, just 2012, 2013. So it was a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> But we did testing on 70 so people mm-hmm. and we, re- we returned their results. It's not like, you know, it's, I can't, I can't tell you what, like, so 70% of the people that we tested had a mutation. We recently did a, a, um, a bigger, so initially we studied two of the genes, BRCA1 and BRCA2. Maybe at the time it was four, and then we got more money from a company to do more genes. Mm-hmm. We did that. We found that we got results, and we um, worked with the Cancer Society, Miss um, Alexander, to disseminate to give the results. My students at the time um, went to Dominica. She's Dominican, mm-hmm. and she went to Dominica and brought the results down to reinform those who were negative, who became, who were tested positive for other genes that we did not have access to at the time. And so, yes, we have, I mean, we haven't really, hmm. the hurricane, the first hurricane, the second hurricane, and then wanting to, Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's some things have, and then d- displacement of my, so my collaborator in Dominica is Dr. Um, Hedda Dyer, and mm-hmm. so she's not there now. And so it's, it's you know, having projects at home, um, it just did not take priority at the moment. But hopefully we will. Like it's not um oh, like you know I work very closely with the Bahamians. Like they and they 
and the Haitian and Haitians and Jamaicans and Trinidadians and obviously Dominicans. Like I'm, 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 I'm available. Uh, it's just there were so many things that happened in the last four years. I would say um, that it did not like going back and doing another study. Of course, again, depending on money, but there are other things like HPV vaccination campaign like that. Dominica has supposedly a high rate of cervical cancer. I mean, other cancers too, but cervical cancer, and it's preventable. Um, it's, it's preventable. So there is HPV vaccine that's available. Um, Trinidad had a campaign. Bahamas has a campaign. Jamaica has a campaign. So yeah, there are things, and if not me, but my, my peers and colleagues across the island who can collaborate with other clinicians at home, um, um, that's actually one of the things that I do, and, uh, like along with my research is infrastructure building and 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 um, helping folks collaborate and bring services and establish programs. Yeah. So, thanks for the work that you're doing. Um, not just as a woman, but a Dominican woman. Yeah. You know, thank you very much um, uh, for for continuing to to do research that will help not just women all over the world, but Caribbean women, because, you know, uh, that is pretty much our roots. You know, that's where we're, we're planted, you know, yeah. that's where, we, that's where we, 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 our seeds spring out. And I really appreciate that you, you continue to collaborate and you continue to work with people to, to get the information out there, to let people know what's going on. And we want to encourage women, you know, to go get checked, do your, your little Test, you know, make sure your your breasts okay. I I do it too. My husband's like, <laughs> anyway, sorry. Tell me, tell me, tell me. He's, okay, he's gone. <laughs> you do a little check, you know, and your um your you make sure that you 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 do your um your pap smears, and if they find stuff, make sure you get on the ball and you get it away. Thanks for the work that you're doing. Um, I want to encourage folks who are on right now to share the link, let somebody else, and tag a woman, a female friend of yours. You know, it's always good to get other women to, to get to me. Because sometimes, as women, we sometimes scared to ask, especially carbon women, we have a lot of pride. We get scared to ask. I know people getting sick and not, they don't want to know what to do, you know? They don't want to know what I'm sick and what I have. You know, we're so such prideful people. And um, we may not be, some people are not as, open to asking questions uh -huh. because they think maybe targeted at them, you know? Uh -huh. um, but we hope that we were able to give out enough information. And as I told you, um, Sophia, you have a place here whenever you need to get the information out there. Or if it's just to tell people, hey, we're coming to Dominica, we're coming to St. Lucia, you know, and we're gonna be there on that date or whatever, because the more people you can have participate in your studies, the more conclusive and the more information you can you can definitely um present so, yeah. so that is always key and i really 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 want to appreciate you and say thanks to your husband for um because it's we're, we're having party. a party outside actually <laughs> <laughs> so 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 you're they're having a barbecue and they leave you yeah out. exactly they're very proud of your work. They're happy to see you sparkle. That's Natty yes. Satan um, when you speak of your research. And thank you very much, Sophia. Um, it was a pleasure having you on here with me. Um, I hope that you can be back sometime soon in the not too distant future. Um, all the best with your research. Um, thanks again to Curvel 
you know, and and all the other women who, because I remember we spoke about you being on the show and then Crivel kind of just like, yeah, and I was like, do it. <laughs> you see, and a, a lot of times people, I want you to tell people that because a lot of people think uh, or they feel so, somewhat intimidated by coming on here. They mm -hmm. think in their minds like watching us that, oh my God, I'm going to be scared or, or I'm going to be nervous or I'm not a public speaker or this and that. And they have so much information that they can actually give. And I just want to encourage more people, you know, if you want to come on, like you have, you know, really substantial information and information that can, can change lives and inspire others, reach out, let me know. You know, let me know you want to be a guest, you know, because I'm pretty open to, to, to having people on. I'm not, I, I've never said no to anybody, you know, like anybody that's reached out. I may have not been, a, I may have not had a time to mm -hmm. schedule them based on their schedule, but very rarely. And we had a, we had a, a schedule before and we had to reschedule, you know? So I think everything happens for a reason. You're my, you're going to be in probably my last interview for the year. You know, this was a wonderful experience. Of course, you know, uh, this morning I was like, when we're doing our song check, I was a bit nervous, even though I do this often enough. Um, but it was a great experience. I get, and um, it's definitely, it, everybody has something to say. Everybody has something to say, and you're a great host. Host oh, that. So thank you. <laughs> thanks, thanks, Sophia. Thanks for coming on, and thanks again to your family and everyone. Big up to your husband one time. You know, I actually, yeah, yeah. Uh, yes, and all yes. my family members, the whole yes. <laughs> the Harris and the Georges. Yes. <laughs> thanks again for, for coming on. Thanks to all those of you who tuned in, who shared, who liked, who followed, who will continue to um, you know, take in the program, who will probably go and rewatch. Thanks, guys, for um, for coming on. Lisa, big up yourself. Lisa says, very happy to see our young Caribbean women embracing each other and teaching each other empowerment. Yes, big up to you, Lisa. Lisa is like the queen of, you know Lisa, right? The Dominican lady. The do she's, the, she's the do Lisa White. Lisa. Oh, of course I know Lisa. Hi. America, the North American Dominican. Yeah, Lisa, their, their family and our family are very close. Yes. So, yeah. so Lisa just shouted us out there, you know, saying big up. Um, but thanks, guys, you know, for continuing to share and continuing to engage on Kako Tea. I hope that I can be there long enough or for much longer, you know, to continue to give information. I feel like it's a platform where I, I can continue to inspire women and continue to um, empower women and continue to disseminate information. And I hope that I can do it for as long as I can, right? Um, I've been discouraged, believe it or not, um, or, or I, I think I shouldn't say I've been discouraged. They've tried to discourage me, uh, but it's it's very hard to to discourage me because I don't I don't actually feed off of negativity more than positivity. So the more negative that comes at me, you'd be surprised. Is the more I want to do right. And every time every time you see it's too much good, I'm just like, well, I get bored and I get like, oh, what's gonna happen next? I'm not saying to put negativity on me. I'm just saying like, I really want to do a lot for Caribbean women, for Dominican women. And I'm so grateful that you and all the other women who've come on, all the, and men as well, who've come on and shared with us. Um, and yeah, I just want to encourage you guys, you know, you could follow me on on um, JL Joseph. You could also follow um, Sophie on all her social media handles that are located at the top and at the bottom. And if you have any questions for her, I'm sure if you send her a message through Facebook, she once she has an opportunity should probably shoot you back a response 
Um, she's on Instagram, she's on Facebook, and I know her research will continue. And I really appreciate all of you. This show should be on my YouTube in about a week or so, if not later. School has me show. Um, but I'll promise to get everything up there before the year ends. And then we'll be starting back fresh with more Kakuti 2020. Oh my God, 2020 is like right around the corner. We're like, the year is done. Thanks, guys. Thank you very much, Sophia. This is to you. Thanks for being a, a gracious guest. Until next time, thanks again for tuning in to Kakuti. Bye bye. bye.